a sermon entitled Coping with Suffering. Uh, Psalm chapter 130. If you join us there, grab your Bibles there in the back of the pew. And uh, uh, when we think of the book of Psalms, we would say, uh, for the most part, they are encouraging. And uh, they're written in such a way, there's great inspiration, there's great upliftment found in the Psalms. And I love that. Uh, David was uh, uh, very uh, adept and uh, very gifted at presenting praise and glorifying God in the Psalms and just rejoicing many times over. So they're very inspirational in that sense. But Every so often we come across a psalm, and like Psalm 130, uh, that is a little different than the most of them. It, it, it is obviously written by a psalmist in the midst of a difficult time. Uh, and certainly we immediately we think of times in David's life where th- it wasn't so good. Things were not going well. I like to describe it that, that for him it seemed like uh, life is caving in all around him. And for him that may have felt literally, right? He was hiding in the caves at times from King Saul. King Saul had already thrown a javelin at him, tried to kill him. And now he's hiding in caves from King Saul. And, and it must have felt like, boy, life is falling apart all around me. It's crumbling all around me. Uh, for the Jews, and some believe this may have been written uh, by or by someone during the time when they were carried away into Babylon. So for them, that time of captivity was a time when their life seemed cum- uh, is crumbling down all around them. And tonight, I, I, I'm well aware um, of uh, the f- many things that people in our church are going through. And I, I can't help but think that there has been a lot of suffering even over the last few months here and people going through things. Some joins via live streaming because it seems like time after time after time these past few weeks health has hit and, and they're just, uh, boy, just uh, life is caving in and things are happening and so forth. And what marks all of these times is that simple term suffering, suffering. This is one of those psalms that there are a few that deal with suffering, the real-life reality of suffering. We've said it before. It's real, it's it's frequent, and it's universal. We all suffer at times. If today you say, you know, Pastor Henry, there's not really any area or any way in my life that I can say I'm suffering, well, hang on, Monday's tomorrow, amen? It's coming. It will. That's just real life. It's, a, it's frequent. It happens. We all suffer in one way or the other. Something, something's going to go off. Something's going to break. Something's going to happen. You may have uh, come down with bronchitis tomorrow. You may come down with something else. Something's going to happen. You're going to suffer in one way or the other. Suffering in our life results from many different things. And we might ask, what, what are the causes of it? Well, certainly we could name many. But let me share a few things, especially when we think of the bigger issues of suffering. Uh, the bigger things that come in our life to make us suffer. The first would be this. Some suffering comes as the result of the rule of natural law. Okay? What do we mean by that? Well, the laws of God that he instituted, such as the law of cause and effect, always work. You're not going to do, you're not going to get out of the law of you reap what you sow. Okay, so that's a natural law God instituted, okay? Here's another one, kids. You may want to pay attention. The law of gravity. You're not going to ever exceed that unless you become an astronaut or whatever, okay? The law of gravity always works. You jump, you come down, all right? Well, spiritual laws, the natural laws that God has instituted, there's no way around it. There's no byways. There's no shortcuts. And so in our lives, guess what? Uh, Actions have consequences, Actions have consequences. You reap what you sow. And so in our lives, sometimes suffering is just merely uh, comes as a result of the, the laws working their way out, uh, coming to fruition in our lives, the consequences. You can't escape them. Number two, some suffering may come as a result of the privilege of the freedom we enjoy. 
Some suffering may come as a consequence or the result of the privilege of the freedom we enjoy. What do we mean? Well, we are free to do right as well as wrong. But every choice has a consequence. Choose to do right, choose to do wrong, you have consequences. They're going to come. And so even as others then experience and employ their, exercise their freedom, their misuse of that freedom may cause us suffering. Okay? That's going to happen. They have a free will of things. Many of us have, ever, have been either in our own families as a child, or maybe you've been in a classroom in school, and the whole class got in trouble because somebody did something that was wrong. The whole family missed out on something because somebody, one person, exercised their freedom, and we all suffered the consequences of that. And I, I remember there's a couple times when I was in grade school that that happened. Somebody did something that the teacher doesn't like, and the teacher said, all right, no recess for anybody today. And I'm telling you, to a fifth grader, that's like the world falling apart around you. No recess. We sometimes suffer consequences. We suffer because of the free choice, the exercise, the privilege of freedom that we enjoy. Okay? Number three, another way that suffering comes is some suffering may come as a result of maintaining precious relationships that bring us joy. We all love having friends. We love having family, those we love, fellow believers and so forth. And that's wonderful. Those are good because they are sources of joy. When everything is going well, when everything is hunky-dory, there's nothing going on between. That is great joy. But those same relationships have the potential and power to cause heartache and sorrow. When something comes in between, when something isn't right, those same relationships that cause joy, marriage relationships, you name it, that, that ought to be a great source of joy. But when something isn't right, they can also cause suffering. There can also be great sorrow. There can also be uh, pain that's attached to that. And so sometimes suffering in our life comes from the very relationships that God would use to bring us joy. So suffering happens, and it's a reality in that. We've studied the last few weeks, these two, so we won't bear much into it. But obviously much suffering is due to the designs of the devil. He loves to devour us. He's constantly seeking to whom he may devour. And he, he wants to discourage us. He wants to destroy us. And he will cause us to suffer. And uh, what a testimony Job has, amen, in this area. He suffered greatly at the hands of the devil, the designs of the devil. And then, uh, as we said and have talked about even the last few weeks, the reality is also true here. Some suffering has God's signature on it. Uh, if suffering comes with signature, sometimes it has God's signature on it. He is the one that allowed it. He's the one that brought it. He is the one that uh, knows there's much to be learned in the crucible of suffering. There's much to be learned, much growth to take place with we as, uh, as Christians. We could identify a bunch more, but suffice it to say that uh, instead of focusing on the suffering we're going through, and so uh, let me just pause there a moment because I believe that is something we do as humans, and uh, when we are not responding biblically to suffering, what we'll do is we'll focus on the suffering. And boy, the actual suffering that we're enduring, my friend, that can discourage you, that can depress you, that can get you down. And so the Bible wants us, and God certainly wants us, instead of focusing on the suffering, then we ought, we ought to turn that a focus and attention on how do we react to our suffering. In other words, we should ask ourselves these questions, okay? What, what is our technique, our method for dealing with the suffering that is invariably a part of everyone's life, okay? 
It's part of our lives. So how, what are we, how, would he, how are we going to cope with it when it comes? When greater suffering comes, when it, when it happens, what's our technique and method? We'll use a modern term, how do we cope with it? What is that modern technique? What, what is it that we do, excuse me, that method or that technique that we use to cope with it? Well, in Psalm chapter 130, the psalmist gives us a, a quick, small, concise, basic uh, means, a method of coping with suffering. And I trust you and I can learn from it tonight. It's the kind of thing we can write down and remind ourselves often, okay, you know what, this has happened in my life, I'm going to go back to this, because here's my method for coping with suffering, all right? Look with me, if you will, verses 1 and 2 of Psalm chapter 130. Notice what he says, and he starts right off the bat, out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord, Lord, hear my voice, let thine ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications, okay? Very basic, number one, here's the first step in our method of coping with, uh, um, coping with suffering. It's this, okay? The first step is to kneel down. Fall before God in prayer. Just to kneel down. And certainly, uh, this ought to be the first natural response for any believer going through suffering. As we studied this morning, we're well aware God wants us to pray. He's ready to hear us as we pray. He wants to give us good things. But it begs the question, why is prayer so imperative as we attempt to deal and cope with suffering? Why ought it to be the first thing we do is pray to God? Why is it that, that we should come to God when suffering happens in our lives? Well, certainly God has the power to remove the cause of suffering, but that's really not the only reason, and I would say not really the main reason we ought to pray when we suffer. To use another modern term, can I just encourage you and remind you today, and sometimes we forget this as believers, okay? There are things that are good for us to do in our lives, right? There are things that help, brushing your teeth, taking your medicine. Uh, other things we could list that doctors have recommended or others have recommended in dentists, okay? Exercise, you ought to exercise daily. And now we have newfangled gadgets that tell us whether or not we've moved or not, okay? And uh, whether or not we're lazy or not, right? Ah, you need more exercise. So it's good. That's good advice, right? You know, sometimes we forget this simple truth about prayer, and I, I'm not being silly. I honestly believe this is so very true spiritually. Do you realize that spiritually speaking, prayer is truly therapeutic? Prayer is truly therapeutic. You say, what is therapeutic? That's a, more of a modern word, if I could put it that way. The, the term is not a, not a specific term. It just means anything that helps to heal. Anything that helps recover. Anything that helps to heal you. And I'll just encourage you tonight, Christian, I'm going to remind you, prayer is not just about the outcome. It is also about what it does to you as you pray. It's therapeutic. It has a healing aspect to it that God certainly loves and why he called us to pray. It, 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 it does something for us spiritually. You say, well, how does it do that? Glad you asked, okay? The first way is this. Notice it. Okay? Uh, it is the means by which we connect to God and enjoy communion with him. How is prayer therapeutic? Because it causes us to reach out to God. And here's the good news. When we reach out to God, what do we know? He'll always reach back. He'll always reach back. We saw that this morning. And he's going to always, and that starts the healing process. You remember when you first got some bad news, when you started the, the process of suffering, whatever it may be, you're kind of in shock, and you're like, man, I just need to tell somebody about this. I just need to share it with somebody. And my friend, can I tell you, as a believer, my goodness, that is the time we need to fall to our knees and pray. Connect with your God. 
Reach out to him knowing full well he will reach back. I'll tell you, nothing helps more than talking with our Heavenly Father. Growing up, I remember as a teenager, and especially in my college years, to be honest with you, one of the things I learned uh, that was very therapeutic for me personally, okay? And uh, what I was going through with life is this, was talking to my parents. My parents had a very much open-door policy. and like, if you ever want to talk about anything, you ever need to talk about anything, come and talk to us. And so I learned as I became an older teenager, as I got into college age, Wow, what a blessing that is. Just to, just to go into my parents, and I remember there were times my parents were about to hop in the bed, turn out the light, and I come in, and I started a, an hour-long conversation. And I did most of the talking. <laughs> and they just listened. They gave some fi- advice and things. But I'll tell you, my friend, man, that became to be so, such a treasure to me that I could just come and share my heart with my parents. And young people, can I tell you, hey, little ones, can I? Never, 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 never lose the ability and the desire to talk with your parents. Don't lose that. I, I, I cannot express words would not uh, catch it. I remember the first time that, that I went out with my wife, Erica, and I came back, and boy, I found my way into my parents' house, and I talked for an hour and a half about the kind of girl that I just met and how I want to marry that kind of girl, and it wasn't until five, four or five years later that we actually started dating for real. I remember talking to them and talking through it. And I remember my parents encouraged me, great, hey, you know, you just pray about that. The Lord's going to take care of it and work it out. And, and four or five years later when I thought there was no chance, okay, I finally got a chance, amen. And, and nonetheless, the Lord worked out. Listen, hey, those times of just talking with my parents, man, they did something for my soul, my heart. Can I tell you, prayer for a believer is therapeutic. Just coming and laying your soul bare, if we could describe it as just talking with your heavenly father as we put it into context even this morning. I love that, okay? And that, that then tells us, especially with suffering, there were times where I hurt and, and I went in and talked to mom and dad and I just kind of shared my heart and, and that's the second thing, right? Prayer is therapeutic. Why? Because it is the means of expressing a hurting heart. There are things that I've shared with God that I've shared with no living person. The hurt that my heart has felt, my soul, and and the same is true of many of you. There are things that that it is so raw and so painful, and and you have shared with God alone. And aren't you thankful for prayer tonight? You can just bear your heart. You can bear your soul before your heavenly Father. You can just lay it bare, as I, I like to say. We expose the hurt feelings, the devastation, the sorrow deep inside. I've talked to many a person who's come down and, or I shouldn't say come down with, but has been diagnosed with cancer. And, and almost invariably in deeper conversations, longer conversations, they each will share a moment where they had a private time, where it hit home. And in tears, they just spent some time talking to their Heavenly Father, just bearing their heart. Father, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can go through this. Father, why, why me? Just bearing the hurt, bearing the devastation. My friend, aren't you thankful for that? There's a God in heaven who you can just lay bare your heart to. This is what the psalmist, did you catch what he says? He begins right away. Out of the depths. I cried to God I, out of the depths of suffering, out of the depths of my bad news, out of the depths of whatever situation you're going through. The psalmist says, I cried unto God. And my friend, that is the first step to coping with suffering. I sure am glad that God did not leave us alone to cope with suffering by ourselves. 
And he said, cry to me. Out of those depths, cry unto me. And certainly that's what we see. Casting all your care upon him, for he what? Careth for you. I love what Psalm chapter 55 and verse 22 says. Cast thy burden upon the Lord. Cast it on. He shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. What a great promise. So you cast that burden, that suffering, that, that care upon the Lord. Hey, number three, how is it therapeutic? Here's another means. It's the means by which we can hear the still, small voice of God as he speaks to us and ministers to us. I love those times that I've entered into prayer that as many of you have even expressed, you have too. You've entered into prayer with a burdened heart, a sorrowing soul, a heavy heart, a troubled soul. And in that prayer time, God's ministered to you. He's ministered to me. He has spoken to your soul the words of comfort and joy and, and peace and compassion. You know, sometimes I, uh, it's good just to hear God's voice through his word, through the Holy Spirit, through prayer, just to hear his voice. His, him speaking to us, him ministering to us in those times of prayer, it, it's just a medicine to our soul. Let me remind you tonight, there is nothing that heals the suffering heart and soul like God crying out to him, spending some time with him in prayer. And so the psalmist says, listen, I cried. I, I cried to the Lord. The Lord, Lord, hear my voice. Let thine ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. Right? Number two, look at verse three and four. Here's the second uh, method or the second step, if we may put it this way. Verses three and four. If thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? But there is forgiveness with thee, that thou mayest be feared. Second step is simply this. The second step is an inward look. Uh, we could say the first step was an upward look. The second step is an inward look. Seek the source of suffering within. When suffering comes, the first question all of mankind typically ask is actually a good one. Okay? It's this. What have I done to deserve this? Oh, Lord, what did I do to deserve this? Why is this happening to me? It's a good thing to ask. You say, why? Well, the matter is, the good amount of suffering that occurs in our lives is often due to our own ignorance. It's often due to our own error. It's often due to the deliberate choices we made. As we talked about at the beginning of the message, the sermon, a lot of times we bring suffering on ourselves. There's no doubt of that. Oh, some's at the hand of the devil, some God allows and brings himself, but sometimes we just don't make the right choices. Now, we understand this truth. We know that all sin results in some kind of suffering, but not all suffering is due to sin. We get that. We understand that. And so, yet, that's a good question to ask. Why is it? Is it something that I have done? Because here's the truth, and don't miss this. I think this is so crucial. Uh, Christian, would you get a hold of this, okay? There's a truth to this that I think sometimes reveals why suffering continues in our life. Why does it just seem that this isn't going away, that this isn't, uh, it, it, God's not taking it away, he's not removing it, he's not, oh boy, the thing isn't solving it. Why is God allowing some suffering in a specific area or whatever the case may be? Well, there is a simple principle. See, uh, how we cope with suffering often reveals how we cope with sin. How we cope with suffering often reveals how we cope with sin. What do I mean by that? Well, if sin is the cause of your suffering, if you don't deal correctly with the sin, you won't cope correctly with the suffering. You see, if there is suffering in my life and it is caused because of my sin, maybe I have a wrong attitude towards somebody. Maybe I, the Bible says to him that knoweth to do right and to doeth it not, to him it is sin. Okay, so there's choices I made and I'm not doing the right thing or I'm doing the wrong thing and then I'm suffering. God is sending, chastening, whatever the case may be. 
And if I don't learn to deal with sin appropriately in my life, guess what happens? Then I don't know how to cope with suffering. As sin is the cause of that suffering, then I, I lose my understanding how to deal with sin. What, how do we know how people deal with sin? Well, there's several ways that people do. Number one, some people deal with sin simply by ignoring it. They live and act like there's no sin in their lives. Well, they just, they just dismiss it. They kind of put it under the proverbial rug. They just shove it under there. They don't confess it and forsake it. They don't, they don't take care of it. It's there, but they deny it's there, or they, they deny its importance to deal with. And so we just allow sin to fester and to stay. They, they don't address it, or they don't believe it's present. And my friend, can I tell you, nothing is like a cancer more like sin, more than sin is. Sin is a cancer that just continually grows and causes increasing consequences in our life. Sometimes I think that God turns up the temperature of suffering when we fail to confess our sin. He allows some suffering. Why? Because your God in heaven knows that temporary suffering is much better if it will bring you to a right relationship with him. Free of sin. He knows what the consequences of sin will bring. So God will, God will chasten you. God will call it out early so that you don't experience the full consequences of your sin. He's good in that way. So sometimes that suffering is there, but we can't ignore it. Number two, you know what some people do? We rationalize it. We deal with sin by rationalization. What does that mean? We seek to blame our, uh, our faults and our mistakes on circumstances. Well, if that hadn't happened, I wouldn't do this. We blame it on problems in our life. Well, if that wasn't going on, then I wouldn't have reacted that way. And we blame it a lot of times on other people. Well, if they hadn't said that, then I wouldn't have responded this way. If they hadn't done this, if, if those people had treated me better, I wouldn't have done that. And boy, we, we rationalize our sin. And my friend, that if we don't deal with sin correctly, that'll just keep suffering around. We won't be able to cope with it biblically. Number three, some people deal with sin and, uh, by changing the standard. By changing the standard. You see, when we see sin in the life of another, it's egregious. It's, it's horrible. It's heinous. And boy, we call it out for what it is. But when that same sin hits home, when that toothpick <laughs> that's in somebody else's eye is actually a two-by-four in our own eye, when that sin is here, it's not so bad. Then sometimes we call it acceptable. Sin becomes relative. In another's life, it's condemned. In our life, it's accepted. And so we, we change the standard. Eh, boy, it ought to be condemned. They're terrible. They're wrong for having their sin in life. But it's in our life. We don't deal with it. We don't confess it. We don't forsake it. And we kind of put up with it. We tolerate it like it's not that big of a deal. My friend, if we do that, that will not set us up well for coping with suffering in a way that would please God, that God would have us to do. So how do we deal with it? Well, the proper way to deal with sin, as you would know, is as simple as confess, trust, and enjoy. Confess, trust, and enjoy. What do we mean? Confess and forsake sin. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And the reality is this. Hey, did you catch what that says? Because here's, in that verse, you and I confess, but we also do what? We trust. What do we trust in? The cleansing power of Jesus Christ. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. We trust, we have faith in his faithfulness to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We trust in the forgiving power of God. And then you know what we do? Here's a great truth, friend. When you and I confess our sin, we sit back and enjoy the forgiveness and peace that only can come when God forgives you. We get to sit back and enjoy it. Peace and forgiveness like nothing else. 
You see, we know it well. God then forgives us, and in the place of that sin, God puts peace and forgiveness there. And when God forgives, he forgets. In the context of, in the sense that he refuses to remember our transgression against us. Did you catch what the psalmist said? It's right here. He says this, if thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who's going to stand? Who's going to stand before you? Who's going to stand sinless? Nobody. But you realize what that word means there? He says, if you should mark it, if you put it to somebody's account, but aren't you thankful that when God forgives, he forgets? He doesn't apply it to your account anymore. He doesn't remember it. He doesn't, our, our transgression against us. It never comes up in a, in a charge against us. Boy, we as humans, we, we have a good, <laughs> sometimes we have a good memory in all the wrong ways and a bad memory in all the ways we need a good memory, Amen. We don't remember the things we ought to, but boy, we can remember when somebody did something against us. We can remember offense. We can bring up something from years in past. Well, they said this. They did this. And well, didn't you forgive that? But yeah, but I haven't forgotten it. Well, you haven't also forgotten that forgiveness means you don't apply it to their account anymore. That's true forgiveness. And so God comes up and he says, listen, when I forgive, I forget in the sense that I'll never put it to your account again. And my friend, when you confess sin like that, and the sin has brought suffering, it is able to, for you and I to cope with it, God removes it, and so forth. See, if our, cuff, if our suffering is caused by sin, God offers in its place mercy and love and grace and forgiveness that in turn helps you and I to cope with suffering. Boy, we sure do serve an amazing God, don't we? We run to him. Why? Because, listen, kneel down. Suffering comes. I'm going to stop. I'm going to pray. I'm going to start the therapeutic process spiritually, the healing process of coming to God. And then as I do so in that prayer, I'm going to make sure that I confess any sin. Lord, reveal it to me. Lord, show if there is something in my life that is causing the suffering because I don't want to ignore it. I don't want to rationalize it. I don't want to say, well, God, that's not that big of a deal. That doesn't deserve suffering. Why do you care so much about this thing in my life? No, no, no. I don't want to dismiss it. Change the standard. I want to confess it, and I want to trust God and his cleansing power, and then I want to enjoy the forgiveness and peace that only forgiveness of God brings. Then I can take care of the suffering. I can cope with it. I can deal with it. Last but not least, look with me, if you will, verses 5 and 6. Verses 5 and 6, he says this, I wait for the Lord. My soul doth wait. In his word do I hope. Verse 6, my soul waiteth for the Lord more than they that watch for the morning. I say more than they that watch for the morning. Okay, third step is this, okay? All right, first, we've already seen number one, kneel down, okay? Fall before him in prayer. Number two, it's an inward look. It's to seek the source of suffering within. Is there sin that's causing it? Number three is this. It's hopeful meditation. Saturate and wait. Saturate and wait. It's a hopeful meditation. Here again, we uh, would say that the devotional study of God's Word is therapeutic in the way that God speaks through it to the needs of our hearts and our lives. He says here, you'll notice it, he says, I hope in your Word. That's his next statement. He says, I'm waiting, and yet while I'm waiting, I'm hoping in your Word. I, I have remembered your Word. I, I have <laughs> considered it. I've put it before me. I, I've thought on it much. You know, the Bible is God's chosen means, along with prayer and the Holy Spirit, to dispense to us strength and fortitude. Remember what Psalm 55, verse 22 said, He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. And he uses the word of God to secure us, uh, to give us that foundation, to anchor us in his truth. And so when suffering comes, Christian, can I tell you to do this? Can I just encourage you? When suffering comes, 
Run towards God's word. You stop and you pray. You make sure there's no sin in, but you run to his word. When suffering comes, hunger for the very word of God. See, the sad part is when suffering comes, too many of us starve ourselves of God's word. We leave off daily devotion. I'm too discouraged. I'm too depressed. I, I, I'm too overwhelmed. And all I can do is, is worry about this. And so, boy, we don't get much out of church. We don't get much out of our daily devotional study. And God wants to speak to My friend, when suffering comes, we ought to run to God's word. We ought to hunger for God's word. And friend, when suffering threatens the cave in your world, <laughs> run to the light of God's word that nothing can snuff out. Nothing can. Get in God's Word. and uh, <laughs> Why? Well, here's why. Number one, it's within God's Word where we can gain the strength, I love this thought, to adjust to all circumstances and cope with all suffering. It's within God's Word that we can be equipped. We can gain the strength. We can gain what we need to adjust to all circumstances and cope with all suffering. Okay? Uh, you may be like me. I hate change. Okay? It's not a good t- time to be a human, amen, if you don't like change. Things are changing all the time. I don't like change. And I tell you, there are times where God has to help me in his word to learn how to cope, deal with changing circumstances. Uh, There's suffering many have gone through. And the fact is, you, man, you need great help. You need great strength to cope with the suffering. And, I mean, aren't you thankful you have God's word to help you do that? Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, we know it well. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Uh, Paul's blanket statement here is not a boastful uh, decree of achievement on his, on, on his behalf, but rather it's a proclamation of God-given strength, strength that allows him to triumphantly adjust to whatever circumstances come up in his life, whatever circumstances he finds himself in the moment. I love how he goes on to explain. He says, listen, hey, I, I, know, I, I know both how to be a base and how to abound. I, I know to be content in whatever state I find myself in. I know how to cope with that. And he has done so through the very word of God. May I just put it this way, and I like this statement. Never forget this. You ought to remind yourselves when something comes up, you start to suffer. Listen to this simple statement. Suffering has met its match in the scriptures. Suffering has met its match in the scriptures. What do you mean by that? When you start to suffer, when things come up in your life, you run to God's word. And my friend, you can then cope. You can deal with any changing circumstances and all suffering through the word of God. The psalmist learned it and he said, I hope in your word. I come and I meditate therein. The second thing, letter B, if we put it this way, it is with God's word, uh, it is with God's word that God often fulfills his promise to be our helper. Uh, Such a great truth. Some of you have experienced it and certainly even recently. It's with God's word where uh, God uses or how he meets fulfills his promise to be your helper we know the scriptures well the promises to be our helper Isaiah 41 10 fear thou not for I am with thee be not dismayed for I am thy God I will strengthen thee yea notice the statement I will help thee yea I will hold thee with the right hand of my righteousness Psalm 54 and verse 4 the first part says this behold God is mine helper God is mine helper now listen to me how many times has it happened for you that uh, you were going through a situation, you were going through a uh, difficulty, there was something going on in your life, and you were suffering one way or the other, and, and you opened God's Word, or you came to church, and, and uh, boy, you open it, you're in devotions, and, and by the time your devotions is over, by the time the service is over, you're thinking to yourself, 
wow, God gave me exactly what I needed. I mean, so many times somebody's come to me and said, man, man, Pastor, I've been going through this, and I, I had my devotions that day, and God gave me exactly what I needed for that day. There have been multiple times someone come up after a message, after a sermon, and say, you know what? I don't know why you preached that, but I do know this. God gave me exactly what I needed right now. Now listen, we all have those testimonies. There's been times in my life where going through a difficulty, a, a hard time suffering one way or the other, and I, I turn to God's Word, and in just a few short minutes, a, a Scripture leapt off the page. And don't you love it when Scriptures leap off the page and find residence in your heart? And they go with you everywhere you go, in every circumstance, and through every source of suffering. And God gives you exactly what you need. He strengthens you through His Word. And my friend, that's why it's such a crucial part of coping with suffering. You see, uh, it's God's Word that constantly reminds us that no one or nothing can touch us, the life of one of God's children, without His permission. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13 says, He will not permit anything to come to our lives that we cannot cope with through the help that He provides. And He wants to provide that help. He wants to give it often through the Word of God. Look at verse 5. Notice what the psalmist says here. He says he found hope in God's Word in the midst of suffering. And certainly that's what God wants for each of us. Here's that, where that term comes, okay? So as suffering comes up in my life, I want to ensure that I saturate myself with the Word of God when life seems to cave in all around me. And then I sit back and wait. Did you catch it that he said that a couple different times here in verses 5? Verse 5, I wait for the Lord. My soul doth wait. In his word do I hope. My soul waiteth for the Lord more than they that watch for the morning. Okay? Uh, think of Christmas night for children, Amen. Or Christmas Eve. They're looking forward to Christmas morning. Uh, the, something's happening the next day. And, and one of our, our children, Caden, uh, loves to come say, is this the day? Is this the day? And you try to explain, no, it's not this day. It's three more days. Okay, so does that mean the next day is the day? No, 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 no. Let's get the, it's, no. And you have to explain, right? Because they look forward to it. And, and how many of your children have come up in the morning, they've been looking forward to it, and it's the only morning they get up on time and actually get up early. Because they're looking forward to that morning. And that's what he expresses here. Look, my soul waiteth for the Lord more than they that watch for the morning. Those who are anticipating the morning arriving. I wait for my God. I sit back and I wait for him. Okay, so here's the point. The psalmist says, all right, we've done everything we need to do to cope with suffering. I prayed. I've turned to God. I, it's been therapeutic. It's helped me. It's healed me in the midst of this. I, I, I've confessed that if there's any sin. I've dealt with it. I've looked inside. I've looked inward. And now I've taken this moment of hopeful meditation in your word. I'm hoping in your word. And now I'm just waiting. Okay, God, I'm going to see what you're going to do. And what does God promise that he's going to do? Well, there's a principle that God gave through the seer Hananiah to the king Asa of Judah. You remember what it is? Notice this verse. First Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Man, don't you love that promise? 
Now get it. I, I searched it upwards, downwards, sideways. This is not, I, I, one of my vet peeves is when people take uh, Scripture out of context. This is not out of the context. This is clearly that God is presenting through this man a, a universal principle. He's saying, listen, this is what God does. He searches up and down the earth, throughout the whole earth, to find somebody whose heart is perfect. Those who are seeking him and they're praying and they're in God's word and they're living righteously so that he can show on their behalf his strength. Man, I can tell you it's a good thing when God shows up in your suffering, isn't it? When he's searching to and fro throughout the whole earth and his desire, our heavenly father's desire is to show himself strong on the behalf of you. Your behalf. In the midst of your circumstance. It rings true today and we must often remind ourselves of this simple truth. Suffering is merely a grand opportunity for God to show his strength in my life. He wants to show himself strong. And so I'm going to take care of what I need to take care of. I, I'm going to be that perfect heart through my, my prayer, through uh, making sure there's no sin in my life, that everything is right in my relation with my God, and I'm going to get in God's Word. I'm going to saturate myself, and then I'm just going to sit back and wait. Because you know what I know? My God in heaven is looking to show himself strong on my behalf, on your behalf. And it is a great promise. You know what? It helps. I, I can deal with this suffering for another day. I can face tomorrow because I know my God is there. I can cope with this suffering another week, another month, another year, whatever it takes. I can cope with it because I know my God. Is that not what Paul found out? In my weakness, his strength is seen. Is that not what many throughout, down through the ages of history have found out? And my friend, you and I can do likewise. So we ought to prepare for suffering when it comes. How do we cope for suffering? It's very simple first step is to kneel down you fall before him in prayer uh, second step is an inward look seek that source of the suffering within make sure there's no sin causing the suffering and the third step is a hopeful meditation saturate and wait claiming the simple promise that my god is searching the whole earth to see who he can show himself strong on their behalf May God help you and I as we face suffering. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the truth that we've seen out of this psalm. And Lord, I pray that, uh, Lord, as we go in this invitation time, you, you know what uh, people are suffering. You know what different ones are going through. And, and Lord, I pray in this moment that there be some who uh, would have to admit, would have to confess, Father, I haven't dealt with suffering as I ought to. I, I, I've gotten angry. I've gotten bitter. I've gotten mad. And Lord, I, I haven't prayed about it like I should have. And Father, I haven't found that healing uh, therapeutic aspect of prayer because uh, I've allowed this suffering to consume me. And Father, maybe there's others who, in all honesty, some things they're going through, they haven't really honestly asked you if it was because of sin. They haven't looked inward. Lord, in this invitation, I pray they do just that. May we search our hearts and allow your Holy Spirit to do so. And Lord, whenever sin comes up in our life, and even maybe before it can bring suffering, may we deal with it biblically. May we confess and trust and then enjoy the peace and forgiveness that only you can bring. And then, Father, I pray that you'd help us to be saturated with your word, to be, allow it to fill us and to gain that strength that you promised. The, the means by which you want to help us is through your word. And then may we wait on you to show yourself strong in so many ways. Father, as I think back and 
many of the lives here of these, my brothers and sisters in my own life, Father, I'm, I'm grateful for the times that you have shown yourself strong on our behalf. Lord, it is exciting to me to look back as people have gone through difficult situations where they've suffered, and Father, we can rejoice where you have shown yourself strong. Would you continue to do so? Would you help us to remain persistent and waiting on you and trusting in you and look forward to the moment where you will do just that? Father, would you work in this invitation? Would you speak to hearts? Would you grow us in the way we need to grow? And we'll give you the glory for it. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I ask you to join me in standing. We'll just have a